Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived for 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Here ends the Thanks, Pravin. Well, we're going to need God's help with this one, aren't we? So uh, let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, uh, we thank you that uh, every part of your word is, um, every part of the Bible uh, is your word and is there for a reason. And so we pray that you'd speak to us through it this morning. Uh, We thank you that your word is living and active. And uh, we pray that we would see it to be alive this morning. And we pray that you'd help us to be willing to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you've uh, ever had um, one of those days where you can just suddenly relax. Uh, my brother-in-law uh, has just um, finished one of his medical exams and he said he just doesn't know what to do with himself now that he doesn't need to revise. He'd just been filling all his time. Uh, maybe it was uh, the first day of the summer holidays when you could suddenly relax, uh, forget about work, knowing that you don't have to go back to work for quite a long time. Or maybe you've had one of those days uh, that you just want to go on and on. Maybe it was with friends and family, and it's just so good, you don't want it to end. Uh, Last summer, during the heat wave, uh, we went up to one of the Northumberland beaches, and uh, we went swimming in the sea five times without getting cold. I mean, when does that ever happen in the UK? Uh, And we just stayed on the beach till sunset. We did not want it to end. 30 degrees on a Northumberland beach. Uh, You've got to make the most of that. And I guess that's kind of how I imagine at the start of chapter 9 here in Genesis, um, which Jason took us through last week. Uh, The days of the flood are over. Uh, They finally come off the ark uh, after so much time on that boat. Um, Noah and his family are together. They're finally on dry land. Uh, This is a new beginning. 
uh, with faithful Noah at the center. And the first thing that Noah does uh, is fix his eyes on the Lord. Uh, He builds an altar to the Lord at the start of chapter 9. And he sacrifices burnt offerings, uh, signifying that he wanted to give everything to God and to give thanks to God. And God is pleased with Noah's offering. Uh, He blesses Noah and his sons, uh, and he calls on them to be fruitful and to multiply uh, and fill the earth. It's almost like a a recreation. You might recognize those words from Genesis chapter 1. And God then establishes his covenant with Noah uh, that we looked at last week. He he promised that never again would he destroy the earth with a flood. Uh, And the sign of that covenant, that promise with God's people is a, a fantastic rainbow And that's what we're to remember every time we see the rainbow. And you can imagine uh, that fantastic scene, uh, Noah and his family uh, with a rainbow over their heads, uh, maybe some nice evening light. And uh, it's a great day uh, with a great promise from God. Uh, And Noah standing there, a a man of faith uh, who has stayed faithful through years of struggle and finally vindicated. In Hebrews 11, uh, we're told that Noah is one of the great heroes of faith. Uh, We're told that by faith, Noah built an ark, even in a dry place. Uh, And he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Uh, Genesis tells us earlier that he was blameless amongst his generation. And he walked with God. (coughs) He was given this what seemed like crazy command to build an ark and he showed amazing obedience and patience and trust in God. Uh, What an example. Uh, What a great place to finish. But it doesn't finish there, does it? Uh, We get today's passage. Uh, Instead, we get this strange, uh, slightly disturbing story that we've read today. It's like something out of a trashy soap opera, isn't it? Do these verses really need to be in here? I mean, couldn't they have just skipped over these when they put this book together? The start of chapter 10 uh, tells us about the generations of Noah's family. Uh, It would have been a very easy place to just move on to. But no, we we need to remember that this bit of the Bible is here for a reason. Uh, The author isn't just like, wow, I heard this crazy, bizarre story about Noah. Let's stick it in. No, there's a purpose. Uh, which we're going to see. So verse 20, uh, we're told that Noah uh, began to be a man of the soil and he planted a vineyard. Uh, Sounds like a a nice life after all those years of building a boat and sitting on a boat. But at some point, he drinks way too much and he's so drunk that he passes out on the floor naked. Uh, Righteous, rescued Noah, Uh, has covered himself in shame and disgrace. It's so shocking that after everything that's come before uh, about Noah's righteousness, uh, some of the older commentators on this passage uh, have even tried to excuse Noah. Uh, Some said maybe no one actually realized what wine did at that point in time. Uh, Maybe it was the first time anybody had got drunk. But I don't think Noah was ignorant He certainly wasn't young. Uh, He's older than any of us uh, in this room today. Uh, He's got numerous grandchildren, uh, and it takes a very long time to grow a vineyard. 
No, it's simply that his drinking got out of control. Uh, He let down his guards. Uh, The word lay uncovered in the original language, the Hebrew, uh, is reflexive, so it's given the sense that he did this to himself. Uh, He brought it on himself. Uh, And rather than being perplexed by the stark contrast between this behavior here and and Noah's previous righteousness, uh, that contrast uh, is very much the point here. It's making the point that sin is alive and kicking. With God speaking to them of being fruitful and multiplying, it's tempting to think that maybe we're back in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Uh, But we're not. You see, sin has walked onto the ark, and sin has walked off the ark again. Noah was a a beacon of faith amongst a wicked generation. Uh, He built an ark by faith uh, with years of people mocking him. He did as the Lord commanded, but Noah wasn't safe. He was safe in the flood, but he wasn't safe from his own sin. And Noah's mistake is here to make us wise. The Bible doesn't gloss over it. It's included because it's helpful. It reminds us that the Bible's real. And it reminds us that all of us fall short. It shows us that Noah was also a flawed man, a sinner, in need of continual grace. And we are the same. Same old sin. Nothing has changed, has it? And it's also here as a warning. I don't know whether you've ever uh, been driving along sort of tricky country roads, maybe in the dark, and you have to really concentrate, and it's quite mentally taxing. Uh, And then you finally get to the motorway, uh, and you can relax, maybe stick the car on cruise control if you've got that. Uh, But you relax a bit too much, and suddenly you're jerked out of it when you nearly crash with the car in front. And you realize that you've relaxed too much. You're startled out of your stupor. And this story of Noah is a, a warning to us that it's so easy to let our guard down with sin. And the devil often attacks when things are going well. Uh, in times of rest or times of triumph or the season after a storm when we think we've made it through. I'm sure many of us can relate to that. It's also a warning that even in our prime uh, or our old age, uh, we can be overcome by sin, uh, potentially in a way that damages our witness or even the witness of a lifetime. One uh, more elderly author writes this, I have known this, but now I can feel it as I get older. The tendency to allow myself indulgences that I avoided when younger, be they visual or mental or physical, with the dismissive line that I'm too old for these things to harm me. Maybe you're aware that this is a warning to you today. And it's so easy to ease up when we're not on the front line, isn't it? Whatever age we are. Uh, When the world was against Noah uh, with the ark, he faced it head on. But at ease, at home, in his vineyard, when he felt that people's eyes were no longer on him, he became careless. Uh, And we too can become careless at home, can't we? It can be easy to let our spiritual disciplines go 
It can be easy to walk uprightly in public, but our homes are full of uh, irritability or anger uh, or laziness or ungodly speech or, or giving in to sin. A Christian poet uh, called Robertson McQuilkin uh, wrote about wanting to finish strongly for Christ. Uh, and he writes this, it's up on the screen. The darkness of a spirit grown mean and small, fruit shriveled on the vine, bitter to the taste of my companions, burden to be borne by those brave few who love me still. No, Lord, let the fruit grow lush and sweet, a joy to all who taste, spirit sign of God at work, stronger, fuller, brighter at the end. Lord, let me get home before dark. Uh, he's asking that his home life, uh, rather than being a burden to those that he lives with, those who love him, uh, would be full of the fruits of the Spirit, growing lush and sweet. That's a great prayer for each one of us today, isn't it? And we need to pray that we will be helping one another in that, uh, being honest about our struggles and helping one another to, to grow in righteousness. Uh, whether that's fighting against a tendency to drink too much, uh, or whether that's fighting against, against any area of sin. So this is here as a warning to us. Uh, but even more importantly, it shows us the depth of human sinfulness, doesn't it? Uh, even the, the great Noah was also a flawed man, uh, a sinner, uh, in need of continual grace. And after the floods, uh, there was still the same old sin. And it wasn't just Noah. Uh, we see it in his son as well. Because to get back to the story, uh, the next thing that happens is that Noah's son, Ham, uh, walks in on Noah naked on the floor. Uh, and Ham did something very wrong. Uh, we're told, verse 24, that when Noah awoke, he knew uh, what his youngest son had done, and, and he curses Ham's son. But what had Ham done to make Noah angry? Uh, we're told, verse 22, that he saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Uh, but we're not told much else, are we? Some have speculated that he committed some awful act uh, or that uncovering one's nakedness is a, a euphemism for sleep, sleeping with that person's wife. But the, the simpler explanation, uh, and I think the best one from what we're given, uh, is that he did not do what his brothers Shem and Japheth did. Uh, verse 23 tells us that when they were told about Noah, Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Uh, their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Uh, the emphasis seems to be on the contrast between what they did and what Ham did. I were given meticulous detail about how careful they were to honor their father and to cover over his folly and shame. And so the most likely thing seems to, to be that Ham uh, didn't just see his dad and, and go and ask his brothers for help. Uh, no, he was, he was amused and he took delight. Uh, maybe he went to his brothers and said, get a load of this, guys. It's, it's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. He took perverse pleasure in exposing his righteous father's uh, folly to his brothers. 
some of us might be able to think back to our own experiences, uh, maybe at university or somewhere, uh, where people passed out drunk and maybe people gathered around to laugh uh, or to uh, mock a ridiculous position they were in uh, or to dress them up or something. And it seems that Ham lingered and was amused by his dad's shameful situation. Uh, he mocked and he ridiculed. Rather than honoring, honoring his father, uh, as the commandment says, it took his two older brothers uh, to do what Ham should have done uh, and to cover over their father with dignity. Uh, as 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, love covers over a multitude of sins. It's a challenge to us today. Are we tempted to laugh or joke about sin? Maybe gossip about it to others? Or do we take sin seriously uh, like the Lord, uh, at the same time uh, being gracious to one another, seeking uh, not to tear others down, but to help one another to to grow in righteousness, uh, recognizing that we too are imperfect? But back to the passage, uh, that's not the end of things, is it? Uh, We're told that Noah wakes up and uh, he knew what his youngest son had done. Uh, We don't know exactly how he found out, uh, though obviously someone had covered him up. Uh, He probably asked and he was told. But he issues a a curse and a blessing. He says, Cursed be Canaan, uh, i.e. Ham's son. A servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. Seems strange that the curse wasn't, wasn't on Ham, doesn't it? Uh, in many ways, it's a, it's a difficult passage. Uh, but the curse is on his son, Canaan. Uh, we can't be sure why that was, uh, but it seems uh, Ham had behaved badly. Uh, and maybe Noah detected the, the same traits in his son, Canaan, uh, those evil traits that were in his father, Ham. Uh, Maybe he was already walking away from the Lord. Uh, And this wasn't some sort of uh, magic spell that Noah pronounced. Uh, It was more of a a pronouncement of what would happen to his sons. Uh, It it had no power unless God fulfilled it. But what we see is that it was prophetic. Uh, Because Canaan was the father of the Canaanites, uh, who you may have heard of. Uh, And the land of Canaan is mentioned 35 times in Genesis, and the Canaanites are constantly shown to be a corrupt people. Uh, They followed in Ham's footsteps. They were shameless uh, in sexual immorality and in corruption. Uh, And so it was prophetic in many ways. But as well as uh, Noah saying, cursed be, he also says, blessed be, doesn't he? Uh, He prophesies rich blessing for Shem and his descendants. Uh, This line uh, of the Shemites, uh, who were they? Uh, They were the Jews. Uh, That's uh, why if you say uh, that someone is anti-Semitic, it's saying they're anti-Jewish. It's saying anti-Shemitic. They're from the line of Shem. Uh, That's where it comes from. And Noah says uh, of his other son, Japheth, uh, verse 27, may God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Uh, Who are these Japhethites, Uh, or who do they become? They're the people who settle to the north and to the west of Israel, Uh, not their pagan immediate neighbors, uh, but those further away, 
Uh, and so, to use the language of the future, uh, they become the Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish and part of God's people. Uh, and there's no evidence in the Old Testament of them ever dwelling in the tents of Shem, as Noah says. Uh, but in the New Testament, the Gentiles come to share in the blessings of the Shemites. Uh, and most people see this as uh, God's promise, uh, a prophecy, uh, that one day the, the Gentiles will dwell in the house of the Jews, in the tents of the Jews. Uh, they will share in the great promise to Abraham that God gives soon after this, that through Abraham all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, and again and again in the Old Testament, we see that God had a plan for the gospel all along. And God was going to fulfill that plan through Christ. And so here in this strange passage, we see a fall, a bit like right at the start of Genesis. And we see the depths of human sin. We're reminded of our own sin, aren't we? We see the darkness of the human heart down through the generations. But we also see hope. Uh, not hope in us, not hope in Noah, but there's hope in God's promises. Uh, how good that before we read of this episode, we get God's great covenant uh, to Noah with the rainbow. And ultimately, that hope, that hope that is signified by the rainbow is fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, as we were reminded last week, all the promises of God find their yes in him. Uh, he is the ultimate covering for sin. Uh, Jesus doesn't just uh, lay down a garment over us to cover our shame. Uh, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world uh, so that we might be free from guilt and shame, so that we might be transformed to be more like Jesus. And so let's rejoice in that uh, this morning. Let's rejoice in that as we share the Lord's Supper together later this morning. Let's pray. <coughs> Father God, we see so clearly here uh, and so clearly throughout time that every one of us falls short of, of your glory, that every one of us is a sinner. Uh, we know that to be true in our own lives. And so we thank you so much uh, for your promises right back then, for your plan right throughout time to provide a way for our sin to be covered over. And we thank you for Jesus. And we pray that you'd help us to rejoice in him this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.